you guys have seriously some amazing, amazing pastors. Uh, Pastor Roe, Pastor Lisa, um, Pastor Ruben, Pastor Marquez. Like, y'all got a bomb squad. Like, y'all got, seriously, it's the A squad here. Um, Pastor Roe and Pastor Lisa are like another set of spiritual parents for me. And it's not because they're a lot older than me and I'm super young, but... Um, it is because like they they pour into me a lot even though this isn't technically my home church your pastors pour into me as if it was my home church uh pastor Rowe has been like mentoring me with preaching for like the last what three years now just about um i have pastor marquez every time i preach at my church like i don't like think about it later on in the week i get a random text from pastor marquez yo that word like that was a real word there Pastor Ruben, like I referred to him from my, uh, to my wife. I refer to Pastor Ruben as the best friend that you don't know you have, right? Because I could go literally weeks or months without talking to Ruben. But once we connect again, I spill out all the beans to him. And I'm like, bro, this is what's going on. I've got this, I've got that going on. Like the deepest of the deeps that deep that you share with like your best friend. I throw it all on on Ruben after like months of not talking. Um, so y'all have y'all have a really really good squad here. Um, so yeah, that's it. I kept it short and sweet because y'all y'all kept going. So we we are in the chosen series. I don't know if you guys have not watched this show. I mean, it was the chosen series last week. So y'all need to get on this. And watch the show. It's only like two seasons right now. There are only about eight episodes per season. Y'all watch more Grey's Anatomy. You've watched 19 seasons of that. I have. I saw it on Thursday. Hello. Which means you could spare some time for two seasons, eight episodes. It is phenomenal. I love this show. So we're doing the Chosen series. Today, I have titled my message. We're going to be talking about Mary Magdalene's episodes one and two. I have titled the message, Control the Narrative. Control the Narrative. And just come with me. Uh, We're going to be preaching out of Proverbs 18.21. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? And if you're not, I'm going to tell you what you're thinking. Proverbs is an Old Testament scripture. The chosen is all about Jesus, which is all about the gospels in the New Testament. How can we have a chosen series about Jesus's life centered around an Old Testament scripture? If you stay with me for the next 30 to 40 minutes, you will find out. Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So let's just pray real quick. Lord God, I thank you for today, God. I thank you for each and every individual in this room, each and every individual that is tuned in, God. I just pray that you have your way with this preaching, God. Have your way with this message, Lord. Let me just be a vessel, God. Let me get out of the way. Let it not be about me. Let it not be anything cool or witty that I feel like I've thought up, God. Let it just be everything coming straight from you to the hearts of your people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So the first two episodes of The Chosen, they are surrounded, uh, they're kind of fixated on Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene. So when Mary is first mentioned in the Bible, she is um, 
spoken of as the woman who had had seven demons cast out of her when she met Jesus. So these first like two episodes, when you meet her, that's kind of what she is struggling with. And everybody refers to her as Lilith. Even though her name is Mary, everybody refers to her as Lilith, including the high priest um, of the Sanhedrin that they bring to come and free her. His name is Nicodemus. Everybody is referring to her as Lilith, but her name is Mary. I don't know about you, but I don't like when people don't get my name right. Has that ever happened to you that like somebody calls you something that's not your name? Pastor Ro, has anybody called you like Roland instead of Rolando or Ronaldo or Fernando? Or is that, right? Like, it's, it's not cool. I, my wife... We call her Becky. I'm going to tell you why we call her Becky. She has a really difficult first name. It's Damelis. It's very Spanish. I'm not Spanish. It doesn't sound right coming from me, and people mess it up all the time. As a matter of fact, people mess it up so much that she decided to go by her middle name, Rebecca, a.k.a. Becky. She feels like Damelis sounds like a disease. She was like, I feel like when people are calling my name, it is as if they went to the doctor and the doctor is like, Ooh, you've got stage two damelis, <laughs> right? So she's, she's not a huge fan of it because people, people have called her Emily. People have called her uh, Damis. I'm like, where are, you, where are you getting these names from? You know who's like notorious for messing up people's names? Boom! Starbucks. You took my punchline, but that's fine. Devin, I'll forgive you. Devon. So, <laughs> Devin is a good friend of mine. I can do that. Okay, so Starbucks is absolutely notorious for messing up your name. They've messed up my name. My name is Mike. <laughs> Mike is one of the most common names in the world behind like Muhammad and John. Mike, they mess up. I got the coffee, venti ice white mocha, no whipped cream, two pumps of toffee nut. If anybody wants to buy me a drink, boom. That's it right there. During Christmas season, I like the chestnut praline, not the toffee nut. Just throwing that out there. If anybody's feeling like blessing me. So anyway, I get my drink. And the woman puts my cup down and she goes, Meek? I'm not Meek Mill. <laughs> Guys, we're in church. You're not supposed to know who that is. Come on now. Meek. They said Meek to the point where I just started looking around. I'm the only one in Starbucks, by the way. The only one. And I'm like, this has to be somebody. Maybe they're calling like a mobile order for somebody. If Meek Mill rolls in here, I'm about to get a picture right now. Like, then they call the name and then they're like, venti, ice, white chocolate mocha, two pumps of toffee nut, no whipped cream. I'm like, Meek, I walk over. You know what they wrote on the cup? M-Y-K. Bruh, I have never in my life, I am 29, I have never told somebody my name was Mike and got an M-Y-K, ever. 
There's not a single teacher growing up that has ever messed up that name. They mess up my last name all the time. They think it's a berry like Amanda did. It's not B-U-R-Y, not like a fruit. But that's okay. We're not talking, we're talking about Meek here. M-Y-K, I have never in my life gotten that before. They were calling me something that I wasn't, so I wasn't responding to it. They were calling me Meek, that wasn't my name. They just assumed that that's what they heard. They just assumed that that was my name. And here we are, they're just calling Mary Lilith this entire time. That's not her name. I remember at my old church, they called me Mike, but you know what else they called me? They called me the problem child at my church. Growing up, they weren't wrong, by the way. I was a problem child, for sure. But they called me the problem child. That wasn't my name. That wasn't the identity I was given, but, but they called me the problem child. They called me the issue. Whenever something went wrong in the church or within the youth group, it was Mike's fault whether he was there or not because my name to everybody in the church was problem child. It didn't matter what my actual name was. It didn't matter how much I tried to change. My name forever to them would be problem child. And here death and life are in the power of the tongue. Which means what you speak is going to be given life. Problem child was given life over me. It didn't, although nobody wanted me to be a problem child, I didn't want to be a problem child, but the more we spoke about it, the more we spoke it over my life, we were giving life to that on the inside and wondering why, why it wasn't changing. So here we have Nicodemus. So Lilith, Mary, she has this encounter with some guy in the beginning and she mangles this dude up. And he comes running out the building and the Roman guards are there and everything. So they're like, listen, this woman's crazy. We need to go get somebody important. Now, Nicodemus, this is top dog here. Like, he is a Pharisee with the Sanhedrin. Like, he, they were, he's traveling around preaching the word like this. He is the top dog. So they're like, we need to get this guy. We have to bring him because we can't figure it out. Nobody else in town can figure it out. We need to bring him. And what happens is he walks in and sees Mary and he says, Lilith, he calls her Lilith, and then is trying to cast out the demons that, that she has with her. And they're like, yo, you don't, you don't have authority here, is, there, is the response. You need to watch your words, because he started this thing off with Lilith. So the very first thing he did was give life to the issue. The very first thing he did was give life to the problem. He gave life into her false identity. So it didn't matter what happened afterwards, what he said afterwards, he had already given life to the false identity. It says death and life can be found in the tongue. And when you're looking at it, you're saying, man, don't, don't be mean, be nice. He wasn't being mean. He did not know what her name was. So to him, her name was Lilith. Little did he know, just because he wasn't aware, little did he know he was giving life to the very thing that he was trying to cast out. How often do we give life to the very thing we're trying to destroy? How often do we feed the very thing we're trying to kill off? I can't say I'm fat 
and then expect a six, six pack out of nowhere, right? I'm a little chubby, that's okay. I'm not fat, I'm a little chubby. I go to the gym now, lost about 30 pounds. Hello, come on now. But if, but if I had this mentality and I kept feeding the, the I'm fat, I'm always gonna be fat, that's what, none of that would have, my behavior, my habits wouldn't have been able to change. I can't sit here and wanna get rid of my loneliness if I'm constantly calling myself unlovable. I can't, I can't sit here and ask God, God, I don't want to be lonely anymore. I don't want to be lonely anymore. If I'm constantly saying, sometimes we say it in jest, like joking around. Oh, I'm unlovable. Nobody could ever love me. Like, I'm crazy. I'm crazy. Like, nobody's ever going to love me. And then we wonder why nobody's loving us, right? We wonder why, why, why we feel lonely. We feel lonely because although we don't want to be, we're still feeding the unlovable identity. We're still feeding the very thing that's killing us. We're feeding the thing that's dragging us down, tearing us down, pulling us away from our purpose. We're feeding it constantly and then wondering, God, why? Well, stop feeding it. If you stop feeding me, I'll wither away. I will get cranky first and then I will wither away. But it's the same thing. If you're not feeding something, it's going to die. So if you stop feeding the negative identity, if you stop feeding the false identity, your new identity, your real purpose can shine through. You'll be able to get delivered from whatever is holding you back, whatever your, this, this loneliness, this, this mistake mentality. You, you, can't, you can't walk in your purpose and do things the right way if you're constantly calling yourself a mistake. If you're constantly calling yourself a mistake and pondering and thinking about everything you've done wrong. Cool, you did it. It's done, over with, move on. But if you stay on it, you're going to stay feeding life into it. And no matter how much prayer you go into, if you're still feeding it, it's not going to let go. And then some of us, some of us, including me, I've done this, by the way, some of us are getting so mad at God that we're praying for this, like, to be freed from this when we're feeding it the entire time. And it's our own fault. Like, just let it go. We got to watch our words, watch what we're saying. Control the narrative. I can't expect to progress in my calling if I'm constantly saying I'm not good enough. I can't expect to be invited to preach somewhere or be invited to lead worship somewhere if all I'm doing is comparing myself to other people. If all I'm doing is saying, man, they're so much better than me. Oh man, they're so much more called than me. They have so much more wisdom than me. I can tell you this, Reuben can probably walk circles around me in like historical context, literary stuff in the Bible and probably Pastor Roe too. But if I sit and focus on that, then when the Lord opens a door for me to speak, I'm gonna shut myself down. Because all I'm focused on is the negative. All I'm focused on is, man, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as Pastor Roe. I'm not as good as Pastor Marquez. I'm not as good as Pastor Ruben. So all I'm doing is I'm feeding this unworthy feeling that's inside of me. I'm just feeding it constantly, constantly, and then wondering why I'm not getting anywhere. And sometimes we find ourselves in our life like that. We find ourselves, sometimes it's even unknowingly, feeding the very thing that's dragging us down, holding us down, holding us back, and depressing us, really. We have to watch 
our words. Say, say that. Say, watch your words. Watch your words. That's what we need to do. We need to control our narrative. Now, we can be careful about what we say about ourselves. We also need to be careful what we're saying about other people, too. So sometimes, like, we can look at other people and be like, man, they're a problem, right? I wasn't calling myself a problem child at my old church. I had everybody else around me calling me the problem child. Now, my behavior definitely supported that, but everybody else was speaking it over me, not me, and I'm, I'm getting stuck. So what, what do I do? What do I do when... I'm controlling what I can say about others. I'm, I'm watching my words with what I say about other people. I'm watching my words with what I say about myself. What do I do when I, when I can't control what people are saying about me? Right here. Right here. You have permission to correct. You have permission to correct the false names that are being spoken over you. Now... We're going to watch a clip in a second. Mary ends up meeting Jesus in a bar. And when she's leaving, he frees her from Lilith, from the Lilith identity. He frees her. Now, Nicodemus is hearing about this in some other meeting. And he's like, what? I'm like, bro, I'm LeBron. There is no way... That somebody else freed somebody that I couldn't. As a matter of fact, his exact response when he walked out of the room, he looked at the guard and he was like, only God can free this woman. So now it's piqued his interest. He says, only God can free this woman. And now this woman's free. And he's like, well, what did I do? I tried. I got the sage. I got all the, the ginger, ginger this and the ooh. I did all that. And nothing happened. How in the world is this woman free? I don't understand it. So what he does is he goes goes out and looks for Mary and tries to get an explanation. Go ahead and uh, play this clip, please. It's you. It's real. Lilith. No, no, please, don't be frightened. My name is Nicodemus. I, I ministered to you, Lilith. I don't answer to that name. I am Mary. I was born Mary. But you were called Lilith, yes? Please, I must go. No, no, please, Mary. Do you see her response? When he walks up, he goes, Lilith, Lilith. And she just stares at him. Y'all ever got like a, just a cold stare? You think you know somebody? And you're like, oh, Jimmy. And they're just like, oh, what? Like, what? That's what just happened to Nicodemus there. He's like, Lilith, Lilith. And she's like, bro, what? Nah, Lilith, I I came to visit you. And her response was, I don't answer to that name. Her response was to correct what was being spoken over her. Nicodemus right there, whether he knew it or not, was about to feed life into the very thing she was freed from. And Mary was like, I'm not, I'm not, no, that's not what we're doing here anymore. You, you can try and feed it, but I'm going to cut it off. I don't answer to that name anymore. I am Mary. I was born Mary. He was trying to 
again, inadvertently, I highly doubt this was on purpose, but the false name, the false identity was about to be given life again. And Mary stepped up and was like, nope, not in my house. I'm not, no, I don't answer to that name anymore. You can keep calling it all you want, but I'm not going to dignify it with a response because if I dignify it with a response, it validates what you said. So I don't answer to that name anymore. I went to um, a, uh, a church in Harlem um, a couple months ago. Dr. Matthew Stevenson is the pastor there. It's called All Nations. And he, he wasn't even preaching about this, but he said something that like smacked me. You ever been like hit with something? I'm, pastor Ro does it all the time. Like hits you with all these one-liners, right? He said, you were a purpose before you were a person, which means before you were created, God had already given a purpose to you. And here, here Mary is, doesn't matter what she got into in life that, made, that had Lilith take over, had the false identity take over. It didn't matter. Her purpose was still in there. She was a purpose well before she got on earth, well before she made these false decisions, bad decisions or whatever, well before she fed something that was trying to kill her. She was a purpose. And after being freed, after her encounter with Jesus, she realizes, no, it doesn't matter what the person is. It doesn't matter what the person might look like on the outside. My purpose, I don't go by that. I go by Mary. Do you know what Mary means? Beloved. It means no matter what, she said, no matter what you're going to try and speak over me, I'm loved. No matter what has tried to kill me, no matter what has tried to pull me down, I don't answer to that. What I answer to is loved one, beloved one of the king. That's what I answer to. I find my identity in that. So it doesn't matter what you try to say over me, I'm going to correct you. You may call me Meek, my name is Mike. You may call her Lilith, her name is Mary. She's not going to answer. I will not answer to problem child anymore. What I will answer to is beloved. I will not answer to a mistake anymore. What I will answer to is beloved. Because in reality, in the grand scheme of things, all of us are Mary. We've all been given a false identity. We've all made decisions that allowed other people to speak things over our life negatively. And we have the opportunity to say, I'm not allowing that to define me anymore. What I will allow to define me is my purpose. My purpose hasn't changed. It doesn't matter how many different routes it took to get me. It could take 20 minutes for me to get home. It doesn't matter how many wrong turns I make. The destination is still the same. It doesn't matter how many wrong turns you make, how much traffic you hit, how many tolls you get stopped at. Your purpose hasn't changed. Your purpose is the same. And your GPS will constantly reroute until it gets you home. So again, it doesn't matter the wrong turns. It doesn't matter the bumps. It doesn't matter how many flat tires you get on the way. The end goal is the same. Your purpose is the same. Beloved. My mom, I got, I got permission from my mom to tell this story. My mom, amazing, amazing woman. The only reason I am still in church, I grew up with just my mom. Um, and she was a tough one. She was a tough one. She kept me on the straight and narrow, though. She was not, 
She was not about to let me leave the house. I had to be home by like eight. Like I had like all these really, really strict rules. My mom ain't play no games. I grew up in church and I did everything that I could to like get rid of that. You know what I mean? Like I, I was going out as much as I could doing all the wrong stuff within the time frame my mom allowed me to. So like if my mom was like, be home by eight, cool. I'm going to do all my drinking before eight at like 15, 16 years old and then get home. It still didn't work. She smelled it. It wasn't great. So... Anyway, has nothing to do. I just want to give you a backstory on my mom. So my mom, um, years and years ago, because I'm, I'm getting up there in age, my mom, she got pregnant with me at 19, with my dad, obviously. So at 19 years old, at 20 years old, she had me. I was welcomed into this glorious world. And now I was not planned by any stretch of the imagination My mom had no idea what she was doing. She didn't even know if she really still wanted to be with my dad. Like, it was just kind of one of those things, right? And then she got pregnant with me, boom. So I make jokes whenever I'm uncomfortable. So like all the jokes you hear up here, I'm uncomfortable up here. So, (laughs) boom, right there. Thank you. So, So laugh at them, it makes me more comfortable. So, what was I saying, bro? What happened? My mom, my mom, hi mom. So, my mom, she has me. I make jokes when I'm uncomfortable, right? And like, you know, nothing, like it doesn't really bother me that I was an unplanned pregnancy or anything like that. Like that never irritated me. But my mom played zero games when it came to the word mistake. Like, she played no games. So as a joke, I'd be like, ma, was that like a good mistake or a bad mistake? Like one that like you're happy about or like a mistake you're like, man, I wish I could undo that. You know what I'm saying? Like one, one of those. And my mom, and I say it as a joke because like I know my mom loves me, right? My mom would not play. She was like, don't you ever. You, you ever like, your parents ever get mad and all of a sudden their lips do this when they talk? Their lips don't move, but they have like full sentences. She was like, don't you ever, don't you ever say that you're a mistake again. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, ma, I'm just kidding. She's like, no, I will not allow you to speak that over your life. I will not allow you to grow up thinking that you are a mistake. And I'm like, ma, I'm like 19. I grew up already. And she's like, no. I will not allow you to plant that seed in the background. Because what happens is when you least expect it, that seed is already there. Somebody, five, ten years down the line, is going to water that seed. And if you planted it, it's going to grow. I will not allow you to plant that seed. My son is loved. My mom goes, you were the greatest surprise I've ever had. That is what she refers to it as. The greatest surprise I've ever had. And that shook me. I don't know if you guys know my story. My story. I I messed up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, we do what we got to do. I had my first child I had out of wedlock with my wife. But we were out of wedlock. And because of the mentality that my mom put in me from that age, I will never say that I made a mistake. I will never, because I will not allow 
that seed to be planted in my child. And now I have this understanding of what my mom was saying because now I see my daughter and I'm like, there is no way anybody is ever gonna make you feel like a mistake. I'll hurt them. Yeah, y'all don't understand. <laughs> y'all got kids. Some, some of y'all got kids and you understand that it doesn't matter how many times I go to church on a Sunday and how much time I spend with the Lord, how many times I go to Matrix and get freed, I'll put hands on somebody when it comes to my kids, right? It's not, is it just me or what? Like we throwing hands, I don't care. So I will not allow that seed to be planted. My mom would not allow that seed to be planted. And this is, this is what's happening with Mary right here. Lilith, the seed, here comes the seed. Here comes Mary with the Dikembe Mutombo block. Nah, I don't, I don't answer to that. Swatting the seed away. I don't answer to that. My name is Mary. Now, if people around you can't respect you correcting what they're speaking over you, then maybe it's time to let them go. You have permission to correct, but you also have permission to let go. And now... What I don't want to happen is for you to just go home, look at your significant other and be like, oh yeah, well Mike said to let you go. No, he didn't. No, no. We're gonna, we're gonna create some context, okay? So do not allow that to be a clip that goes on social media because everybody's gonna take that their own way. There's a difference, there is a difference between somebody speaking negative over you and someone speaking what you don't want to hear. Too many of us can't tell the difference. And now everybody who's telling us something that we don't want to hear is cut off. They may not be telling you what you want to hear, but I can tell you they're telling you what you need to hear. And sometimes we're too busy cutting them off because we're like, oh, no, 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 you're not feeding the identity I want. I like this identity I've been living with for the last 25 years. I'm comfortable with it. I have my routine. Everything seems to go okay. But you're telling me there's some changes that need to be made. You know where this gets directed to a lot? This gets directed to pastors a lot. People leave the church because the pastor is telling you something you don't want to hear. Or because the pastor is giving you an area that needs to be worked on, but you like that area. And you're like, nah, I don't want to work on that. I feel like the Lord is calling me somewhere else. If I hear that one more time. <laughs> is the Lord calling you somewhere else or are your feelings calling you somewhere else? Come on. There's a difference between somebody feeding the thing that's trying to kill you and telling you, what you don't want to hear, telling you something uncomfortable. That is the job of a pastor, in case you didn't know that. It's all about growing you. It's all about raising you up to your purpose. Stop being so comfortable as the person. Start to get a zeal for the purpose. If you start to get zeal for the purpose, it doesn't matter what Pastor Roe says, you're on it. You know that Pastor Roe, Pastor Lisa have been put to shepherd over this house and to push you into your purpose. So I know that whatever comes out of Pastor Rose's mouth is one, he loves me, and I know it's not to hurt me, I know it's not to kill me. Two, 
I know it's to push me in the right direction. So if he's telling me something against what I'm doing, that means I'm doing something that's going the wrong way. Sometimes we don't see that we're feeding the false identity. We can feed the false identity without realizing it. And it takes a pastor. It takes our pastor to be like, hey, you got to stop that. You may not see that it's killing you, but I'm watching you fade away slowly. And I can't, as the pastor of this house, as somebody who loves you and is called to pour into you, I can't sit here in good faith and watch you kill yourself. So it caused, sometimes it's having a tough conversation. And that, by the way, that's awkward for a pastor. It's not comfortable to do. Having those kinds of conversations to tell you you're wrong about something, to tell you you're doing something wrong, that, it takes God. You can't just do it on your own. And some of us are like, nah, you're, you're a hater. You're a hater. You, you just don't believe in my call. You just don't believe in me. No, no, that's not what I said. I do believe in you. It's, you just don't seem like you believe in you because this is where you want to go, but this is where you're walking. This is, you're feeding the very thing that's killing you. You're not going to make it to your purpose if you keep going the direction that you're going. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to correct you. Sometimes we got to give the pastor permission to correct us. We have the permission to correct, sure. But guess what? So do they. I didn't like it. I don't like being told I'm wrong. Don't like it at all. Still don't ask Pastor George. I do not like being told I'm wrong. But guess what? He has been given authority over my life by God, not by me. God has placed me in that church, in Ignite Church. So Pastor George and Pastor Suma, they have authority over me. They have permission to correct me over my life. Sometimes those things need to be corrected on the outside from us. Like we're the very things trying to kill ourselves. And we don't even like to see it. We don't like to see it. You can't go letting go of your pastor because he's telling you to get control of your emotions. And you don't want to. I like being angry. I don't know anybody like that, but if you like being angry, cool, don't. That's not coming from me, that's coming from pastor. If he's telling you get control of your emotions, that's because I can slowly see your emotions taking over you. And when your emotions take over you, that means at the drop of a hat, you can disappear. Your, your emotions are like a roller coaster, right? Which means you're like a roller coaster. Your mentality is not stable. Your dependability is not stable. Your confidence in yourself is not stable. Your belief that God loves you is unstable because you're being run by emotions. So when your pastor is telling you get rid of your emotions, that's not something negative over you. When he's saying get control of your emotions, that's not something negative. That's not something you let go of. That's something you hang on to for dear life. You can't go leaving the church because we're telling you you should be tithing and you don't want to now. This is not for new people, but for the people that this is their house, tough conversations. People don't like having them. I'm going to have it. And if you don't invite me back, fine, but I got the mic now. So <laughs> you don't like that. We do tithe. Guess what? It's a biblical principle, bro. Like we didn't just make it up. It's, it's what the Lord is, is asking of us. 
And again, if you're new here, that's not required of you. But if this is your house, if this is, I mean, like this is your house. You have a house, you pay the bills, right? Like you, you, you invest into your house. So if you're being told something like that, that's not something to let go of. That's not somebody speaking negative over you. It's just something, somebody speaking something you don't necessarily want to hear. And now here's the ultimate question. Because sometimes we get lost in our old self. Sometimes we get lost in, in letting all the wrong people go. And we end up just by ourselves, right? So I can watch my words, permission to correct. Like, what if, what if I don't know exactly what to correct it to? Right? Like, what, what if I don't know exactly what my name is? Let's just watch the rest of this clip real quick. I am desperate for your help, Mary. I'm a, I'm a Pharisee. I'm visiting from Jerusalem. I'm a man of God. And I believe you have experienced a miracle, Mary. Are you really a Pharisee? Yes. I'm sorry, I wasn't... I'm not here to enforce Jewish law. So how do you know who I am? You really don't remember me at all. I burned incense. I don't remember. It's all a blur. I can't go back into that. No, no, I don't want you to. I can't even imagine. But you, you are healed. That, that much is clear. I just want to understand how it happened. That makes two of us. <laughs> how long after my visit did you feel the change? It wasn't anything you did. It was someone else. Someone else? He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. And it was so. <sighs> who is this guy? How, who, you were healed by, by someone else? Well, what, what did he do? He called me Mary. He gave life into my purpose. He gave life into who I was created to be. And then he quotes Isaiah 43 here. But now, this is what the Lord your creator says, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you from captivity. I have called you by name. You are mine. I have called you by name. Your purpose was well before you were a person. He has created you. He has formed you. You are redeemed. You are his. He is the only one with authority to say anything different. You are a purpose before you are a person. He called me Mary. 
And I believe this afternoon, Jesus wants to revive our purpose. Can I get the worship team uh, piano up? I believe that the Lord wants to revive the purpose that was placed in us because a lot of us have come from these crazy backgrounds, crazy experiences that have caused us to believe something else, that has caused us to believe something different from what the Lord has said. Our past has not given us a name. Our past does not give us identity. Our, our identity doesn't come from the relationships that we've been or that we haven't been in. Our, our identity isn't come from who we've let go of in life. Our identity has, doesn't come from the people that have broken our hearts. It doesn't come from the people that have spoken negative over us. No, no, no. Jesus has called us by name. See, pastors, as I said before, have been given this beautiful gift and responsibility to see your purpose, regardless of the person that's standing in front of them. When I first met Pastor Roe and Pastor Lisa, I was about 17, 18, I think. I was a real problem. I was living up to the problem child still. I was an arrogant kid. I knew I can sing. I knew that I could play musically. I knew I was cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? But regardless, somehow, some way, when Pastor Roe and Pastor Lisa saw me, they didn't see the behavior. They didn't see the person that was standing in front of them. Still, they saw my purpose and what the Lord was going to do with me and what the Lord could do with me. And I believe that the pastors in this house, I know firsthand, the pastors in this house see purpose way before they see person. It doesn't matter what you've walked in here with. It doesn't matter who you've walked in here as. It doesn't matter what name you've been speaking over yourself or other people, maybe a mom has been speaking over you. It doesn't matter what a ex-husband, ex-wife has been speaking over, or your still husband, still wife is speaking over you. It, that, none of that matters. When you walk in this house, these pastors have been given this beautiful gift of discernment from the Lord where when they see you, they don't see somebody with an alcohol issue walking into the church. They don't see somebody with a drug issue walking into the church. That may be who's standing in front of them. But what they see is the purpose. They see what the Lord has called them to be beforehand. And everything that they do, they stick their lives on the line to bring that purpose into fruition. The leaders and stuff that you saw up here, they were not perfect people. All of them had, had baggage when they walked in here. But Pastor Roe and Pastor Lisa looked at them and said, I see a leader there. That may not be what's physically standing in front of me. That may not be the behavior that I see. It may not be the attitude that I see, but there's a leader in there. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna keep poking and prodding until that leader comes out. And I'm telling you, if you've walked in here and you feel like you've, you're kind of an outcast, a lot of people walk into churches feeling like an outcast. I've never gotten that vibe here. 
And that's because your pastors are not seeing all your flaws. They're not seeing all of your mistakes. They're seeing the purpose that has been given and called over your life. I wanna just give you three scriptures just to fall, real fast, I promise, that we can fall back on. When we don't know exactly what to call ourselves, I want you to remember what the Lord has called you. John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Come with me to Romans 8. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So in John 15, we are friends. In Romans 8, we are children, sons and daughters and 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are a friend to the Father. You are a child of the Father and you are a temple. So I don't care how many people have tried to tear you down. I don't care how many times you've tried to tear yourself down. I want to speak over you this morning that you are a friend, you are called, you have a purpose, you are a child of God, and you are a temple that he chooses to dwell in. So whether you see it or not, that is what truth is. Can you guys just stand all over the room? Can we get the uh, prayer counselors up to the front, right? I want to make two calls. The first one, if you have never heard of Jesus before, and this is really your first encounter, and you want to give your life to him, receive his grace, his mercy, his unfailing and unending love. If you could just raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. All right, you can put him down. And then this next call, is if you feel like you've forgotten your name, if you feel like the noise has gotten too loud, you've gotten so used to answering to something else, being identified as something else, and you completely forgot who you are, who the Lord has called you to be, I want to pray over that as well. I actually, sorry, I have something I want to do real fast. I have a couple of people that the Lord put on my heart earlier today. And so I'm just going to say it. Amanda, your name, where's Amanda? That Amanda, Ruben's Amanda, Remedios. Your name means worthy of love. And I feel like this morning, the Lord wants to remind you that you are worthy of love. You are worthy of the love that your husband gives you. You are worthy of the love that the Lord gives you. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what steps, missteps you've taken, trip ups that you've had. Anything that the enemy has tried to give life to over unworthiness, that has to go. We sever that and we walk in this purpose and identity. Before you were born, the Lord decided you were worthy of love. So before every misstep, every mistake, every step you've taken, the Lord decided you are worthy of love. Lisa. Yeah, I got you, that's right. So 
Your name means an oath from God, devoted to God. I don't know anybody quite as devoted to God as you are. And I know really devoted people, but like I've watched you sit at the feet of Jesus for hours and prove your devotion to the Lord, even though you don't need to. And I feel like the Lord wants to remind you, I've called you to be that devoted. It doesn't matter if nobody else around you is. It doesn't matter if anybody thinks you're weird. It doesn't matter if anybody thinks it's strange that you could be in his presence for hours. It doesn't matter. I have called you with that devotion, that fire that's in your heart. I've called you for that. I gave you that before you got here, before you became an Enneagram number, before you got, I gave you that specifically for what I want to do with you. Pastor Marquez, Jose, I love this. I love this one. When I, I got excited when I saw this one. Jose means raised and who pardons. And I feel like the Lord has constantly shown the definition of your name in every area of your life. And I feel like you show that exact grace to everybody around you. One who pardons. The Lord has not looked. It doesn't matter whether you felt like the Lord stopped looking on you. It doesn't matter if you felt like the Lord took back all the promises that he gave you. The Lord is someone who pardons and that's why he put that name on you. You were given that name on purpose. And I think it's incredible because Anna means favored grace. Y'all are not together by accident. There is a reason why we have one who pardons and one who's favored grace. Right there is the epitome of what the cross is about. So this, this marriage, none of that was a mistake. Everything you guys have been through coming up to now has not been a mistake. It has all been orchestrated for the one who pardons and the one who has favored grace to come together and just spill that out with every person that comes in front of you. Every counseling session that you've had, every podcast that you guys have had, everybody who listens to it has had favored grace and this pardoning from the Lord, this forgiveness from the Lord pouring all over them with each and every word you guys have spoken together. And God is just reminding you of that. And Zab, I had to ask Reuben what Zab was short for. Zabdiel, I like it. You know what the meaning of that is? Gift. Bro, you, y'all gonna make me cry. Hold on. <clears throat> I want, I feel like the Lord is reminding you, you are a gift to this house. You are a gift to each and every person in here. Whether you are up here leading worship, back there running pro presenter, whether you are off to the side, whether you are sitting and receiving, your presence is a gift to this house. The house can't run without you. And I know there's been a lot of times where it hasn't felt that way. I know that there's been a lot of times where you might've felt overlooked, unworthy. You might've felt too shameful to be here. It, you are a gift to the house. It doesn't matter what you run into. 
I could promise you Pastor Roe and Pastor Lisa, all they see is a gift. They see a gift not only in the house, but they see a gift in their lives. Pastor Reuben sees a gift in his life with you. So I feel like the Lord just wanted to remind you that no matter how much you might have spoken against that on yourself, no matter how much a parent might have spoken that over you or a significant other might have spoken that, the Lord just wants to remind you, you are a gift. You are a present to this community and to each and every person that is in here. Jesus. So I just want to do a quick prayer for anybody that has had any like false narratives or anything spoken over them, um, has a question on, on their identity, on their purpose. They have not, they have not really been in touch with that or got that revealed to them, or maybe they've forgotten. Maybe you've forgotten because that's happened to all of us. I've forgotten what I was called to be. I know that I'm called for worship. I know that I'm called for speaking. And there was a point in my life where I felt so down that I switched and I just went to like video editing for like six months. And I was like, nope, this is what I'm called to. And I tried to run from it because I didn't think I was good enough to lead worship. I didn't think I was good enough to preach. I didn't think I was good enough to pray. I feel like the Lord is, is calling us to stop running and to allow ourselves to walk in the true purpose that he's designed us for. I thought it was really apropos that you said every number has a name, every name has a soul. I'd like to edit that. Every number has a name, every name has a soul, every soul has a purpose. So if you feel like that, I'm going to do, I'm gonna pray real quick, but we have the prayer counselors up here that would really, I'm telling you, these, these guys are called to speak life over you and really call out the true purpose of who you are, the true purpose of who you were created to be. All right, so Father God, I thank you. I thank you for what you've done in this word, God. I thank you for that your word is true, God. I thank you that we are friends. I thank you that we are sons and daughters of the most high, God. God, I cancel anything that tries to speak against that over our lives, God. Uh, God, I just pray the strength and the wisdom to let go of what we need to let go of and to hold on to what and who we need to hold on to, God. I just pray that you help us to hold on to your truth, God. Reveal our purpose to us, God. Reveal our true identity, who you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.